Hello, New Life Manitou. As you, my name is Charlie, and if you're able, please stand for the scripture reading. Okay, today's reading is from Matthew 2, 1 through 11. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and soon you will find him. Report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God, we thank you. We praise you that you have come into this world, that you, God, did not become God. You've always been God, but you became a human, became a man, and made your dwelling among us to seek and to save what is lost. So we praise you and worship you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. Stay standing for just a second. For the last time this season, we will do the greeting where I say, Christ is born, and you will say, Christ is born. Christ is born. Christ is born. All right, you may be seated. Today is, it's still Christmas time. Any of you still have your Christmas decorations up? There should be no shame whatsoever because today is the 12th day of Christmas. So you've just been celebrating this whole time. And on the 12th day of Christmas, my true love gave to me 12. Is it Lord's Leaping? Have you heard something else? Drummer's drummer, drummer's drumming. Fiddlers fiddling. Have you also heard when it comes to the 12 ladies dancing? I think I have one more. There's 12 bells a ringing too. And so a quick rabbit trail. You're not supposed to start sermons with rabbit trails. But today I'm going to start a sermon with a rabbit trail about the 12 days of Christmas. This song, it'll come back around, don't worry, has some variations. The song is about 300 years old. And through time, people have either changed the lyrics or thought they heard something else. And so the lyrics have changed just a little bit, especially when it comes to the 12th one, because that one is sung the least. So you, you forget what it is and you make it up. And so over the years, over 300 or so years, there's different versions of this song. And what I want to share with you is this, that sometimes people say, people that don't believe in the Bible and just look speculatively at the Bible and kind of with an eye of disbelief will say things like, well, maybe all the Bible stories, especially when it comes to the miracles, maybe they just kind of got added in and things changed and the stories kind of evolved and got more and more miraculous as time, as hundreds of years 
years, as maybe hundreds and hundreds of years passed, these stories entered into the Bible. And then we have all these miracles in the Bible like we have now. People will say that. And to that, we would say, no, that's not really the case because we have very old manuscripts. We have very new manuscripts. And they're the same. And the people that wrote, today we read Matthew, and Matthew was an eyewitness to Jesus. He may not have been an eyewitness to when Jesus was born and these magi that came, but he would have known people who were eyewitnesses to that account. So here is a historical account of some magi. Today we are going to talk about the magi. Next week we'll start a new sermon series, but today the magi. And I saw a t-shirt, I've seen bumper stickers, I saw a Facebook meme, which I made my own this week, that has a little picture of three guys on three little camels, and it says, wise men still seek him. Have you seen it? It's kind of cheesy, it's kind of Christian punny, but I think, wow, that's... That is the case. If you're seeking him, you will find him, which will lead us into one of the points this morning. But three points this morning. One, two, and three. All kind of centering around this gravity of what the Magi do and how we can be like them in our worship to God. And so I'll have a question for you as this sermon progresses. But the first point is this. If you're writing down notes, write this down, that the Magi show us what is really important. The Magi show us what is really important. And by the way, spoiler alert, we're in church. It's Jesus. Yes, of course it is. It's Jesus. That's what's really important. Verse one of Matthew says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judea, During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who was born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. To what? To worship him. Like embedded in this story, before baby Jesus even says anything as as an adult, we have embedded into the story that Jesus is God and that people have come around, apparently from around the world, to worship him, to recognize who he is. That's what's really important. As we have just uh, celebrated Christmas, I think it's now safe to bring up some of these traditions. Last year, I made up the mistake of bringing up a couple traditions that are, uh, I guess, bring fights in here because some of you booed me, some of you cheered me when I mentioned uh, the Christmas tree. I said that we in our house get a real Christmas tree, and I made fun of people who have the abomination of a plastic or artificial tree, and some people booed me, and then I gave it right back to them. I said, your Christmas tree's fake, and then the whole thing's fake. And then I'm sure that in this room, there's probably some people that did not have a Christmas tree. And people are like, someone in here did not have a Christmas tree. Their poor family, their poor kids, their poor grandkids. How could you not have a Christmas tree? And let's now, since Christmas is behind us, this is the 12th day, we could pause and say, is the Christmas tree really that important? No, the really important thing is Jesus. The reason for the season, as the saying goes, is of course Jesus. Here were the words here. It says, On coming to the house, the Magi, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down. They worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What I want to point out again is that they worshipped him. They recognize Jesus as deity, as God, and then they give these crazy gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Or if you're a kid, gold, frankensteins, and smurfs were presented. 
<laughs> what my kids think at least. Gold, I, I correct them. Gold is, of course, the cash of the day. Like this is a gift you would give a king. Jesus is the great king. Frankincense makes a lot of sense too. The priestly incense that is used in worship. Still to this day, if you go to a Christian, uh, Catholic, or Orthodox, or High Anglican Church, you might smell the frankincense, the incense, and its pure form is very expensive. It reminds me of church. It remind, I think I, I love the smell of frankincense. makes a lot of sense to give this highly uh, valued gift to a little baby in coming to, to worship him. And then there's myrrh. Myrrh is the one that doesn't seem like the others. Have you ever got a Christmas gift that was a little unusual? You're like, oh, cool, socks, Halloween socks for Christmas? Thanks, this is weird. Myrrh is the one that doesn't really fit the gifting of something you would give to someone celebrating a birth of a great king or of God. Myrrh is what you embalm dead bodies with. Did you know this? So what a weird gift. Imagine someone throwing a baby shower for a little boy that's coming, and there's blue, everything. Grandma got him the crib they wanted. Some friends got together and pulled together and got the little stroller and a car seat, and everybody's happy and smiling. And someone shows up with a funeral urn as a gift. Like, I got your baby something. Hopefully he won't need it in a long time, but I got him an urn so that when he dies, you could put his ashes in there. Here you go. What? Get out of my house. Are you crazy? Like, why would you do this? And in this story, we can see from the very beginning, this gift of myrrh is prophetic. This gift of myrrh was highly valued, but it was used for embalming bodies. And it shows us from right in the very beginning, it shows us something about this child that is coming that we proclaim now, that we celebrate. Up here is uh, cups and bread, and we will proclaim the Lord's death. This is how Jesus saves. It is by his death. And isn't it interesting that the gifts, gold, frankincense, and even myrrh are presented, reminding us still to this day that that is how the Lord saves, that it's prophetically pointing to Jesus' death, these three gifts. So let's keep moving here. The second point is this about the Magi. The Magi were seeking and they find Jesus. They're seeking. They leave something behind, and they go, and they seek Jesus to worship him. So the question that I'm going to ask you a couple times this sermon before we're done is, is this question about worshiping Jesus for yourself. What do you maybe need to leave behind in order to worship Jesus? And then this whole thing of gift giving as well, like what do you need to bring to the Lord to give to him as an offering? I'll, I'll ask this question again in a few moments. But the Magi were seeking, and they find Jesus. There's this saying that Jesus says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Isn't this a promise? Isn't this a prophetic image of what the Lord tells us to do? I think about this story as in, um, there's, there's a famous quote by Isaac Newton. Do you know him? The famous physicist who lived a long time ago. He believed that the planetary motions could be set to calculations. He invented calculus. At the very heart of his mind was this thought that if we really knew creation, we would find the creator, the one who made it. And I think today there's, there's a lot to be said about, uh, I, I know I, in college, was very scientifically minded. I got an undergrad in biology. And I loved the Lord back then. I love the Lord now. And I know people that use science as like, well, 
science says there's no God. And I think if you really get down to it, I would say, as someone who studied science, if you really study science and you study the creation, I believe you will find the creator. I think you're just using science as an excuse. Here's Isaac Newton's quote. He says this. Newton says, He who thinks half-heartedly will not believe in God, but he who really thinks has to believe in God. It's beautiful. Studying the creation, we will find the creator. What's interesting about these magi is they're, they're studying the stars. The story gets a little weird here. It, we don't know too much about what's going on here, but they're looking at the stars and they see something that they believe is going to be that the Messiah, the Christ, is coming. The Greek word here, uh, the magi, the English word, or we could call them magicians or sorcerer or just learned spiritual guys. Um, they're wise men. The Greek word is magoi, which just is this magician type character, spiritually learned person. And here's what we know about these magi. In here, I like to give nerd alerts. If you're familiar with this congregation, we do a couple weird things. One of them is we do nerd alerts to wake us up. We kind of like making an alert sound, which is coming. You'll You'll see, uh, and it's to to wake us up to get nerdy, and so I'm going to give you a nerd alert, and then we'll list, I have 10 things we know about the Magi. So, nerd alert. Okay, okay, okay. I see a lot of new people, so we got to calm down today. Here's the 10 things we know about the Magi. Are you ready for this? If you're writing things down, you're going to have to write very fast. Nothing, 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 nothing. Nothing. We don't know anything. We know nothing. We know very little, if not nothing, about these guys. We know nothing. And you're like, oh, well, well, there was three of them, because there's always three of them in the pictures and the Christmas card. Does it say three? We just read the story. Does it say there was three of them? It's like, well, but there has to be, because one was carrying the gold, one was carrying the frankincense, and one was carrying the myrrh. It just makes sense. Well, maybe, but we don't know that for sure. Were they riding camels? They're always riding camels in the pictures, right? Were they riding? We just read the story. Did it say they were riding camels? No. What do we know about them? Nothing. And some of you might like, well, well, we know they came from the east. That's, that's something, right? Isn't that something? No, that's nothing. Like, what if you met somebody and it's like, where are you from? Oh, I'm from the East. Oh, cool. I grew up in the East Coast. Where are you from? No, I'm not from the East Coast. Just the East. Oh, East of what? How far East? I'm not going to tell you. Like, well, okay. Well, then that, does it say anything? No. Like, where are these guys from? Like, they come from, to Jerusalem from the East. Like, is that Jericho? Is that, keep going, is that Jordan? Is that Iraq? Is that Iran? Is that the stands like Pakistan, Afghanistan, Turkmenistan? Who knows? Is it even further? It's like some people have postulated China. Is it Mongolia? Could it be like, what's today, Russia? Who knows? What do we know about these guys? Nothing. We don't know anything about these guys. And so what I just gave you was a nerd alert. It was a joke nerd alert, but we will have a couple real nerd alerts, which brings us to this one. And this is just some, I have three interesting things. So this is just interesting things in the Old Testament. They're a little nerdy. You'll have to stick with me. This is our second or actually first real nerd alert. Nerd alert. All right. Uh, Numbers 24 says this. It's the story about Balak and Balaam. Uh, this, is, this is rabbit trail kind of stuff. Stick with me. This is uh, way back in the day, there was a king named Balak who wanted this guy Balaam, kind of a prophet, kind of a magi kind of character. We don't know too much about him. Wanted him to curse Israel, and he ends up not doing it because he recognizes that Israel is blessed. And then Balaam has this song that he sings. So this magi-like character has this 
this song that's kind of uh, messianic and, and Christologically uh, centered. And he sings in this song in Numbers 24, I see him now. And he, then he says, a star will rise and then a ruler, a scepter will come out of Israel. Interesting. It's not a direct quotation about the Magi or about the coming Messiah, but it does mention a star and it does mention a ruler. It's just interesting. Here's number two for this interesting stuff. Isaiah prophesies about astrologers. Uh, he says this in Isaiah 47, 13. Isaiah is just making, he's actually prophesying against Babylon and saying, let your astrologers come forward, those stargazers who make predictions month by month, let them save you from what is coming upon you. So Isaiah is just saying, even the stargazers know this is coming and there is punishment. So why don't you just listen to them, which is an interesting prophetic piece. And Isaiah is very prophetic when it comes to Messiah. Just something interesting. Am I, am I making direct correlations? No, I'm just talking about something here because we know nothing about the Magi and I need to say something because this is a sermon. So the third point is this. This is actually maybe the most interesting of the three is that in Daniel chapter 5, Daniel, if you remember, is hundreds of years before Jesus came. He is put in charge by Nebuchadnezzar of some magi. And here's where it kind of just gets speculative and interesting that maybe Daniel trained and, and shared with these magi the prophetic prophecies that are now in we, what we would call the book of Daniel, very prophetic prophecies about the coming Messiah. Maybe Daniel taught them the ways, who knows, I'm postulating here, and that those ways were passed on. So maybe the magi that come to see Jesus came from as far east as ancient Babylon. I'm not sure. And they're following a star. What do we know about the star? Well, not much. Here's verse 9. It says this. It says, They heard from the king. So a star rises, and they come to seek the Messiah. After they had heard the king, so they talked to Herod, they went on their way, and the star they had seen, when it rose, which is kind of interesting, a star rising, went ahead of them, which is kind of interesting, and then stopped, which is interesting because stars don't just stop, over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. So they see the star, the star rises, it goes ahead of them, and then stops. We don't know what this thing is. There's been a lot of uh, postulations about maybe the star uh, was actually a planet. And we could talk about retrograde motion if you're into uh, astronomy. You could talk about maybe a comet. And there's been some theories that maybe there was a comet a at this time. It, you could talk about the, the stars and maybe like the king star came together with this other star, which was a prediction of the coming Messiah. There's lots of theories out there. Maybe it was an angel. Maybe it was a vision. They saw something, some sort of star to point them to not just just the city of Bethlehem or Jerusalem, but to the specific house where Jesus was. And they leave everything, these magi. We don't know how many there were. Sorry to break it to you that the image of the three, there might have been four. We don't know. Uh, there might have just been two. We don't know. There might have been, I've heard uh, there's a tradition in the Eastern Christian Church of 12 of them. Not sure. But they leave everything to come and worship the one who has come to save the world. And they worship him. Which this uh, will bring us back to this question, this practical question for us this morning. What do you need to leave? Is there the things in your life, if you were to uh, 
to, to stop and to think about, you know, now is a good time to stop, to think about this year coming up to 2020. A lot of people um, have goals and visions. If you were to stop and just say, Lord, what do you want me to give up in order to get closer to, to you, to worship you? Lord, is there something I need to pick up to offer to you in my life? These magi leave everything and they gather gifts in order to bring to Jesus to worship him. Here's this last point. Point number three is this. Which what I've been saying. The Magi leave where they are, they worship Jesus, and give. So we know the story. They're, they're east of Jerusalem somewhere. They see a star. They come to Jerusalem, and then they meet with the king. The king at that time is named Herod, and Herod says, go search. We know where he is. They pull people together. We know he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go worship him as well. But we know something. If, if you know the story, we know that Herod was being a trickster here. He wanted to actually kill the baby Jesus because this was some sort of political threat that another king of the Jews, because that was Herod's title, king of the Jews, was being prophesied and predicted. So this will bring us to uh, technically our second nerd alert since the first nerd alert was a joke nerd alert. So this is nerd alert about Herod. Nerd alert. Herod the Great. And there's a lot of Herods. The, the, the Greek uh, word here has the, the hero in it. And so a lot of people took on Herod as a name. So people before this Herod, people after Herod. So it gets a little confusing because you're like, you hear about Herod dying and then you flip a couple pages and then there's another Herod like him and John the Baptist are talking. And you're like, I thought I just died. Well, there's, there's more than one Herod. It was seemingly a title then. Uh, this Herod, Herod the Great, lived 37 BC to about 4 AD. His father helped Rome, and so somehow he was given uh, a Roman kingdom, and he was the king, the Roman king of the Jews. And a lot of people uh, who look at the Bible pessimistically and say, well, none of these stories can be true because miracles don't happen. These kinds of people will point out to you that the, the Herod killing of children doesn't exist in history outside of the Bible. And you're like, why would someone do this? It seems a little weird. But let me tell you what we do know even outside of the Bible about this character Herod. He sounds like the kind of guy that would do this, just my own thoughts. But he ends up killing his own sons. He kills one of his wives when she was uh, threatening uh, peace and the throne. There was a saying around this time that it was safer to be Herod's uh, pig than to be his family member, which is that says a lot about this guy. Uh, on his deathbed, Herod gathers a bunch of popular people at the time. So imagine like popular people of our day and age, maybe be actresses and actors and maybe some musicians. He gathers them. Herod gathers some popular people of the day, jails them so that on the day he dies, he's on his deathbed, he would kill all of these popular people. And so there would be great grief in all of Judea because Herod has died. That's pretty sick. Does it sound like the kind of guy that at a little threat of another king of the Jews, he would have everyone that fit the criteria of a little boy being prophesied that he would kill a town of little boys. Does this sound like that kind of guy? Sounds to me like someone who would do that. Sounds to me like an insane man and someone who would do that. He calls together. So these magi come and they meet with the king and say, we heard the king of the Jews is supposed to be born. And Herod, I imagine, is like, wait a minute, I'm the king of the Jews. So he's dismayed and it says all of Jerusalem is dismayed. And I wonder if it's like that saying, if mama ain't happy, 
ain't nobody happy. Well, a crazy man like Herod, if Herod ain't happy, ain't nobody. They're, they're, they're wondering what he's going to do. He's very upset. The whole town is upset. He calls all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, the people that know the answers, and he asks them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they say, Bethlehem. It's being prophesied about. It comes from Micah. We, uh, we're oddly, weirdly enough, um, last night we, we always read the Bible together uh, as a family, and we've been reading for like three years now, just one chapter at a time. It's, it's really slow with four boys. Um, but last night we read this passage, and I was like, hey, I'm reading this in church tomorrow. And they're like, wow, Dad, that's awesome. Can we go to bed now? <laughs> It is awesome. Like this prophecy of the coming Messiah to be born in Bethlehem. They knew it. These guys, they knew where it was supposed to happen. And so Herod sends them, sends the Magi. And it seems as though these other people don't go with them. Just the Magi go, which is very interesting to me that here the king of the Jews, the Messiah predicted these guys from the east come and they make this whole Jerusalem city into a stir. They ask, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? And then the Magi peace out seemingly by themselves. Where's the rest of the town? Shouldn't everybody be going to see this newborn king, this Messiah, the Christ who was to come? Which the implication for us is, especially for someone like me, like I can know the right answers. I can know the Bible. But am I truly following Jesus? Am I? I've asked you the question. I'll ask myself the question. Am I leaving behind things in order to worship Jesus? Am I picking up things in my life in order to give them over to the Lord? That's the question this morning. The vision of New Life Manitou, the vision of New Life Church has always been to to make disciples, teaching them and helping them walk as we worship and connect and serve. And the making of disciples, I see that here with these magi, the magi being followers of Jesus, going, leaving things behind, bringing gifts and worshiping Jesus, giving up everything in order to find him. So that's the question this morning. I want you to stand with me. We'll consider these words. I'll lead us through a prayer. And then I'm going to lead us as well to the table. But if you're standing and just thinking about these things, I want you to consider where you would be in this story. Consider the the, the magi leaving everything they have in order to seek the one who a star represents. They're there to seek a new king, to seek a messiah, And they don't just go checking it out. They go with faith. They go with gifts to give to this coming king. And one of those gifts, like I mentioned, is a gift of uh, the embalming fluid, the embalming oil, the smell of someone who has died. And that leads us to the table. And so, Lord, we pray to you now. Lord, we, we consider your death, that even as a child... You came to this world to die for the sins of the world. The Lord, you, you, you didn't become God. You've always been God, but you became man and you made your dwelling among us so that we could have salvation, so we could be your disciples, so we could know you. So Lord, as we pray this morning, we, we worship you. We praise your holy name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.